This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. This was the game, and the K show, they said it, and Michael was a thousand percent right. This was a game that the Knicks had to have. You've got a Boston Celtic team that you're playing Saturday night, and you know that they are really, what, second best team in the league, maybe best team in the league, depending on what you think about. So you're playing a Philadelphia team that is injured, obviously with Joel Embiid out, don't know when he's coming back. Will he make it before the end of the season, regular season? You don't know. And you're still missing pieces of your guys, but you still had some guys coming back. You had DiVincenzo coming back. You had Hartenstein available. And you had Bogdanovich available. And so your job was to go into Philly and get a win. Now, you looked at the first half of that game, and you were very excited, very impressed. Especially with the second quarter. You know, Bogdanovich was outstanding hitting the threes. Burks was hitting threes. I mean, when you looked at the bench in that second quarter, you were, you had, if you're a Nick fan, you had a little smile on your face. You had a little smile on your face. And you knew that Philly was going to make a run. Okay. I didn't, I didn't expect them to come back and win, but I knew how they were in the first half. They weren't going to be that way in the second half. They were going to come back and fight. And they did. And they made it interesting, but the Knicks had a, you know, had a nice win. And, you know, the game you heard right here on 9870 ESPN, they did a great job. So they got their first win out against Philly. Gives them a a little slim amount of breathing room against the Sixers, who have a back-to-back tomorrow night against the Cavs. So that's going to be interesting to see how the Sixers rebound. I think Kyle Lowry will help them. I think he gives them some leadership. He doesn't have a lot left, but I, I respect what he brings to the table. He's a competitor. He's a fighter. He's a guy that... You know, you you have to respect because he knows how to win. He's experienced. He's smart. And I think right now where you could, you're wondering where some leadership is coming from uh, for that team, I think that he could help them a lot. The other thing he brings to the table is another scorer to help out Tyrese Maxey. You know, that, that that's another thing that he brings to the table. So, uh, obviously, clearly, love what I saw from the Knicks tonight in this game. And... You know, they got a a day off to recoup. And then we'll see how they will, you know, bounce back and and perform against the uh, Boston Celtics. And all during the night, Joe and Julian, while I'm watching the Nick game, (laughs) I could just hear Buddha yelling at Tobias Harris, who had seven points in 27 minutes. Three of nine from the field, one of three from three. I could just hear him. I, I just, he was yelling in my ears, yelling in my ears. I also took a peek earlier while the Knicks were winning to see what was going on with Brooklyn and Toronto. And listen, suck. It's, it's tough for Kevin Ollie. Start on the road uh, against a Toronto team that's not great, but. They're a matchup problem for you. I mean, you got quickly, you got RJ Barrett, you got some guy, you know, you got Scotty Barnes who's coming off the All-Star game, uh, you know, and 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 playing, you know, well for them. And it it was it was interesting. It was interesting 
But once again, for the Nets, it's the fourth quarter. They gave up 39 points in the fourth quarter. Okay, they're in this game. I mean, they're, they're, it's not nip and tuck, but they're, they're in it. They got a shot. If they could just shut some people down, they have a shot to, to steal a win for, uh, you know, to, to, to steal a win for Kevin Ollie in his, in his coaching debut with the Nets. And they just, they just couldn't get it done. Just couldn't get it done. So we'll get your thoughts on the Knicks and Nets. 1-800-919-3776. But first, time to talk about some of the top stories we'll also be talking about here on ESPN New York today. This Thursday edition for February 2022. Okay, last night, Pat Ragazzo was on the air with me. And everybody was, well, we're not sure what's going on with Kodai Singa. We'll find out tomorrow with the MRI, and then we'll see what happens. It might be, you know, we're not really sure. We'll see what goes on. Well, he was diagnosed with a moderate posterior capsule strain in his right shoulder and has been shut down from throwing. This according to President of Baseball Ops David Stearns. The Mets ace expected to begin the season on the IL, who wouldn't speculate Stearns, by the way, who wouldn't speculate how much time Senga will miss. So Stearns was asked, so what does the Senga injury mean and will you add somebody in free agency? It means we're going to ask people to step up, and that's what happens over the course of a baseball season. We knew we were not going to go through a full season with just five or six starters, and so here we are. And we've got plenty of options. I'm looking forward to watching that competition in camp, and I'm confident that we'll have guys step up. I know you're always looking, always listening, but does this increase the likelihood at all of adding somebody before opening day? I don't think so. As you said, we're always going to be opportunistic and hear what's out there, but I don't think it really changes our thought process. In other words, no. They're not adding anybody. Uh, they're going to ride it out with the folks they have. Once again, this is a fact. David Stearns is on a fact-finding mission this season. Which one of the kids are good? Which one of the kids aren't that great? Which one of the kids can we get rid of? We have to see what we have. I want to take stock in what's going to happen with this organization this season. And then next season, at the end of this season, when the free agents come about in 2025 and 2026, then we'll make a move. Now, Forgive me, but, and I'm not suggesting, I'm just using this as an example. I get that Blake Snell wants a lot of money, but don't you need a pitching staff for after 2024? Like, don't you need somebody in the rotation 2025, 2026? I'm just saying. Speaking about pitching, most Yankee fans aren't happy with the state of their starting rotation. Questions about Rodon, Cortez. Is there a scenario where Hal Steinbrenner would reopen negotiations to add uh, the Cy Young Award winner, Blake Snell? I don't think you can have enough pitching, whether it's bullpen or start. Look, we got a great infield, we got a great outfield. I mean, I, it's, I don't think you can ever have enough pitching. And I say that every year because somebody asks me the question every year. But we'll see what remains to be done or not done. Sounds like to me, Joe Leo, if the price is right, they will reopen the conversation with Blake Snell. Uh, so, you know, maybe there's still a shot that you could add to your rotation. When the boss says you don't have enough pitching, you go out and you get some more pitching. Major League Baseball Players Association talking to its members both in the Cactus and Grapefruit Leagues. They're gathering feedback on the mini controversy. You, you heard about this with the, with the uniforms? 
So while hoping some changes can be made before opening day, the Nike generated Fanatics produced uniforms that were used in last year's All-Star game? Well, many players admit to a lighter feel to them, but have issues with the look. So because the fabric is lighter, uh, Tony Clark has indicated that it's a quote challenge on the end of quote to have bigger numbers and letters on them. Hence complaints about the back of the jerseys looks very amateurish. And now some believe the new eggshell color of the pants, the fabric is the same as last year and it's creating a see-through vibe. The fit has also come into question. Hmm. Interesting. According to Bloomberg and confirmed by ESPN, Joe Sy discussing minority sale of the Nets, Joe Leo. Uh, that minority stake could be sold to the Cots family. The family's investment vehicle, 1888 Management, could potentially buy a stake in BSE Global. That's Sy's holding company that not only controls the Nets, but the WNBA's New York Liberty and the Barclays Center. Now, another prominent family is the Adelsons. And the Adelsons recently purchased a controlling stake of the Mavericks from long time over owner Mark Cuban. Cy brought the Nets for Mikhail Prokhorov in 2019. Well, after three days in the news cycle for his comments following a loss to Seton Hall, the St. John's coach, you know, Rick Pitino, started his post-game press conference yesterday by apologizing, quoting Pitino. I said to my staff, are any of the guys upset? They said a couple of feelings are hurt. Patino said after the Johnnies snapped their three-game losing streak, 90-85 over Big East Georgetown at the Cap One Arena. Once again, quoting Patino, I immediately went to talk to the team, told them I absolutely love you guys. I love you and would never, ever want to embarrass you. But it's my bad. I'm at fault. Rick Patino, backing, backing up from doubling down. Those are the top stories inside this edition of ESPN New York Tonight. When we return, we'll get your thoughts on the Knicks and Nats and other things. And Singa, so should the Mets really rely on Peterson, McGill, to take a spot in the rotation when you lose your ace, even if you're not sure when he's going to be back? We'll get some thoughts next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Pass up to the near wall for Trocek. Doesn't connect and cleared back out to center. Lindgren sends the Rangers back out. Panarin, Trocek finds Lafreniere who scores! Alexei Lafreniere second of the night and the Rangers take a 4 to nothing lead. Don LaGreca with the call on 1050 ESPN New York. Artemi Panarin with the assist. He had three on the night. Rangers outscaped the Devils 5-1, their ninth consecutive win to tie their longest streak in eight seasons. Oh, I love hearing Don on the call. I just do. Uh, Islanders losing to the Blues by the score of 4-0. A little over seven minutes to go in the game. 1-800-919-3776. Your thoughts on the Knicks? Your thoughts on the Nets? Just your thoughts overall on what's going on with the Mets and Yankees? As uh, Barton Hahn like to say, a full buffet inside this edition of ESPN New York tonight. Spike and St. Pete, lead us off. What's up, Spike? Oh, thanks. <laughs> Get me on quick. We'll run down today. There's the formula where I told you to put in the beaker in the chemistry class. Yes. Right? Worked perfectly tonight. Kept uh, 
kept them under their season three-point percentage, out-rebounding them, kept our turnovers reasonably, and uh, Bogo put the ball on the deck. This guy, I mean, he's 35 years old or so, but uh, that's why uh, Leon went out and got two tall shooters. Worked seemed to work out well tonight. A little concerned with I Hart Hartenstein, but uh, I'll tell you something, Larry. I'm not saying this again. I always have to like qualify it for people who tune in who are regulars. I'm not no aspersions on Julius Randall, but Precious Jewel plays like this. It's uh, it's a gift that that trade is. We got uh, we gave him two, and quickly's not a point guard. I watch a lot of him, and Barrett's going to be what Barrett is. Good kid. You know, and then play his game in his hometown. I feel bad that we couldn't keep him, but uh, we get Ananobi back, and uh, Achua is just the more I watch him, the more I like him. He boxes out. He hits the boards. He, he He's right in the face of you. He's a little undersized, but, uh, you know, Brunson didn't shoot well, but tons of assists, tons of steals, even blocks, hearts a, a bear on that floor. Now, it was a weak team. Cleveland mm-hmm. played tonight. They lost, but Donovan Mitchell didn't play. I don't know if he's injured or maybe too much all slow weekend. But uh, I think 50 or 51 will get the second or third place. I think it's going to be real tight, not going game by game, because like I tell you the last couple of days we've been talking, it's it's you don't know who's going to be available. Like right. Kelly Oubre tonight, he usually hurts us. You know, we did mm-hmm. nothing. and. And my uh, Buddha, you know, I love Buddha. He's been talking about Tobias Harris being, you know, overpaid and underperforming for three years now. He just, he slowed down a little bit. And Maxie can only do so much. He's one guy. So they sprayed the ball. Uh, It's it's, very deep. We're very deep. And I like Sims' minutes. What did you think of that? I thought, uh, thanks for the phone call, Spike. I thought Sims played very well. He was a presence, had a block, had uh, 10 boards in uh, 18 minutes. Uh, five offensive, five defensive. Uh, didn't he only had two personal fouls, so he was able to get some playing time. And listen, if he and Achua can continue to perform the way they have, you can nurse Hartenstein until he gets healthy. You don't have to play him a bunch of minutes. Like tonight, he only played eleven minutes. You didn't need him. You didn't really need him. All right, you you will need him in the next game because you've got Porzingis. So you need you're going to need size there. But you know, I thought I thought that uh, once again, Jericho Sims is getting better. He's he's performing better. He understands what he has to do, and once again, as long as he just has a presence, uh, puts his hands up, plays smart defense, moves his feet, stays out of foul trouble, he's going to be he's going to be excellent. Um, and so you, you know, you like that. Now, understand as you get to the postseason, I don't know that you'll see a lot of him. Maybe not at all. But at least he's getting some playing time now and he's getting the experience. Clearly, when Mitchell Robinson comes back and, you know, OG comes back and Randall comes back, you're not going to see a lot of him. But it does add to the depth. And like I said earlier, in that in that second quarter, when they went to Burks and Bogdanovich, when both of those guys came in, and they both hit a couple of threes right off the bat, and Bogdanovich was six of six from three. Which is crazy. He was six of he was eight of thirteen, but six of six from three. So he was two of seven everywhere else. <laughs> Missed some layups, had some shots roll out on him. Uh, you know, it, it it was a nice performance. Uh Brunson tonight, twelve assists. 
21 points, did not shoot well, 5 of 18. It was 11 of 11 from the free throw line. But once again, they didn't need him. And he played 39 minutes. And, you know, I, I, I can't kill him. I mean, you know, maybe you shave a minute or two off, but 39 is good. I, I, I got no problem with 39 minutes for him. Got no problem with that. So, uh, listen, Knicks played well, did what they were supposed to do. It's a weekend Philadelphia 76er team. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is, is a very talented player. I mean, he is, he is really talented. Uh, Nicholas Batoon, I understand he was just coming back from injury, but he had five fouls. He had five fouls in 18 minutes. I think he had four fouls, and I'm like, why is he still on the floor? Like, what, like what, why, why, didn't, why wasn't he pulled so you could at least save him? Because obviously what everybody's trying to do is put taller people on, on the Jalen Brunson, you know, the, so when he shoots, you got a, you know, a, a taller wingspan. He's got to shoot over more. He's got to do some other things. But the one thing with, with Ubre on him, and I think Spike, that's one of the things. If Ubre had 14 points, but I think part of the fact defensively, he lost some of his offensive game playing defense. Because in trying to defend Brunson, Brunson could go past him. Sometimes he just waited for him, and the shots just rolled out. It was it was a stretch in that uh, third quarter, the third or the fourth, where you know he just had the tough spot, and it, it was crazy. the The Knicks the Knicks outscored Philly in the fourth, nineteen fifteen. After the Knicks gave up thirty five in the third, that was a and that was a interesting cold game. I will say that a lot of, a lot of stuff. It was uneven. Like there were some things that you understood why they called it. Other things you didn't understand why they didn't call it. And it was just, it was, it was just a weird game. But listen, you're the Knicks. You'll take it. You're 15 and 14 away from the garden and you've got a great home record. So, you know, you, you like where you are right now. You just do. So you just get ready and try to move on and get ready for Boston and, you know, see what you can do against that team which is very good. I mean, I just don't know which Boston Celtic team is going to show up on Saturday night. Conversation continues on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Once again, as we get closer, the Mets' first uh, spring training game is going to be this weekend, going to be Saturday. And, you know, already they know that they will start the season with Kodai Senga, their quote, ace, unquote, um, on the I.L. Now, he may not be on the I.L. long. I mean, he might just, he might be available the end of April, okay? But it might be longer. And if it's just, here's trying to look at it from a positive standpoint, trying to be optimistic. If it's in the month of April, there's so many off days you have for rainouts and contingencies and stuff like that. You can you can have a shot at either McGill or Peterson taking his spot in the rotation with Quintana, you know, being the, you know, number one at that point. All right. But, you know, once again, the question becomes, you know, when is he getting back? And when he comes back, what you know, how long is it going to take, depending on when he comes back to ramp him up again? So he's going to be available. The, the the ironic part of this is it's going to him not being there 
kind of even further diminishes what you expect from this team this season. All right? Uh, obviously, you know, you still have some offense. You got Pete Alonzo. You know, you got Alvarez. You know, you, you, you've, got, you've got folks. You know, hopefully you got Marte. You know, um, so, you know, you got, you got pieces. You got pieces. So you, you should be able to score. The question becomes, you know, de- once again, depending on when he gets back, do you have enough that you can, you know, at least make a run at a wild card? One, two, or three. I mean, you don't have, a, in my humble opinion, you don't have enough to think about challenging Atlanta or Philly. Now, anything can happen. Injuries, they can have injuries too. But Atlanta's just so good. They're always so good. And so I just, I, I just, I just kind of concede <laughs> to Atlanta. Hopefully I'll be surprised. But that's how I'm looking at this situation with, with Singa, you know. And sometimes it's, you try to, as a Met fan, you, you've seen this stuff before. You kind of try to, you know, just not go into the, oh, here we go again. I knew, look, what, not, what a surprise. Something didn't happen right. Here we go. Something, you try, I try not to fall into that, you know, that tape of constantly playing it. So I'm trying to be a little upbeat. And so until we find out when he, you know, if he comes back in April, we'll be okay. That's how I look at it. Jose's in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? Good evening, Larry. Shout out to the one and only company. And I just wanted to, you know, just let you know, you know, you expressing your concerns is not, you know, being negative or anything like that. So don't worry. Don't don't worry about the Mets and everything. But um, as far as, you know, the Knicks, um, this it was it was a very good game. I was very I was very happy with the fact that they came out. They had to. They, they this was a game that was a must win. You know they were on a four game dive, and with this now you know usual storyline that we are with you know Coach Thibodeau, but we're just going to try to act like it never happened and we didn't see it in other cities and et cetera, et cetera. You know, we we just have to, you know, go day by day of, you know, like what Spike said, you know, just hope that, you know, there are people, you know, that are out out on the court for us and they play. And, you know, we we can't really go game by game. But to me, I'm not I, I don't totally agree with that premise, because this is where, you know, the coaching acumen does have to kind of, you know, come into place where, you know, you have injuries and are you able to keep the ship together and still ride it through and still prosper, you know, with with, with the limited depth that you have. And that's, you know, the markings of what we thought was a great coach. So let's see, you know, if, you know, Tibbs can, you know, finally take that step from, being a good coach that, you know, knows how to be a culture changer and can be able to get your franchise in the right direction, but still not, you know, great enough to win it all to actually being that great coach that, that, that can possibly make it to, you know, the, the NBA finals and possibly win because this is, uh, there, there really isn't any excuses when we become full, full, fully healthy. 
and mm-hmm. that's you know the, that that's one of those things you know and the one thing that I don't want to see because I know you heard my earlier calls in the day where like you know Dan Graza stated which is you know everyone comes back and people are still not fully healthy and then we still don't have a clear picture of whether Julius Randle is is, is part of the future and then we really don't have a clear picture of, you know, whether if Tibbs is that guy to actually get us there because I'm not going to act like, you know, Jeff Van Gundy might not be available. I'm not going to act like there's a whole bunch of people from that coaching tree that can't be able to fit fit these players' styles just because we, 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 we just overhauled the roster. If there is a better coach that is a better version of Tom Thibodeau, then we have to actually explore that option. But at the end of the day, we still got a long way from, you know, actually talking about that. Hopefully we can be able to prosper. I'm still hoping for a number three seed in this Eastern Conference. But, you know, we need to rack up more wins like these where we're facing the teams that are are below us and we need to keep winning because that was – you know the state that's been the staple if you look at throughout this whole season even pre-trade we were always very good against the bad teams and that's going to be evident on making sure that we stay ahead on uh, ahead and ahead of all these other teams so hopefully we we, we can go out and you know baseball's coming soon we'll, we'll we'll get a nice change of pace hopefully have a great one larry all right jose thanks for the phone call um the real test for tibbs Yes, there's a test to make sure that he is able to keep uh, keep the ship afloat. And he's done a decent job doing that. I mean, he just couldn't fit a, a really a decent, credible team during for a couple of games during that losing streak. But the real, real test for him is going to be when you have when you're in the postseason and you're matching wits with a team that may be as talented or more talented than you. And they know all your plays and they know all the cuts and they know everything you do. And then it's about talent and execution. That's when you really, that's when we really find out just how good the coach he is. It's, it's not only about, look, it's a large part about keeping them together. True. And you're right about when everybody comes back healthy. But the main thing here is when you are matching up, when you match wits with, uh, with other coaches and players, can you, what can you do? Can you be better? Can you find a way to win some games? So that's what we really find out about where he is. Now, listen, I don't, personally, the guy has – they're on track to make it to the postseason three of the four years he's been head coach. And next year is the fifth year of his contract. Now, I don't see him going anywhere. Okay? Now, you know, things could change. We'll see what happens when we get to the postseason. We'll see what happens when, we, when, when you know, the season's over. But the question's going to be, where will they end? If they can get to the Eastern Conference Finals, it means that every playoff appearance, they will have moved forward. They will have moved another round. And that's going to be hard. That, that's, that's success. That's going to be 
you know, that's that's going to be in question as to say, well, what else is he? What else can he do? So once again, we're a long way from that. Right now, as a Nick fan, just enjoy the games. Enjoy the games. Hope nobody else gets hurt. <laughs> enjoy the games. Hope nobody else gets hurt, and hopefully, people will come back and be able to perform and and come back and play and and pick up where they left off. Because still, there's a remember, there's still an outside shot that you're not going to have. You know, you may not have Randall this season. If he decides to get that surgery, he's not he's not going to be an option. And I think that may have to, you know, color and, and just how much you, you know, what you can do and how successful this team is going to be. And I know in, in isolated situations, they look really good. Okay, the lane is open. They have cutting. They have movement. I get it. But this offense is really structured around the two of them. And in the postseason, you know, even though Julius Randle has not had the best postseason, one was one was not great, and the second one was incomplete because he was hurt coming off an ankle injury. We have to wait and see how, how that looks. 1-800-919-3776. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Far side, Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich, left wing three, it's good. 16 of the second quarter, including four threes for Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich had to take a step to catch that basketball, but was able to gather and get right into his shooting motion. He is in the zone. Kenny Albert, Monica McNutt with the call here on 98.7 ESPN. Bogdanovich was outstanding in that second quarter. He really was. He came in firing. He couldn't miss. Couldn't miss. And for that moment, you really kind of got a feeling of what this bench could look like from a scoring standpoint. And, you know, Brunson was on the bench during that time, and they actually increased the lead, which is a bonus for your bench. Uh, normally, your bench, what you want your especially on the road, what you want your bench to do is to hold what the starters did. They actually added to what the starters did. And I'll say this: the the way that they rebound on this. I mean, Josh Hart had ten rebounds, and he's just you know he's. It's so funny. Uh, Joe Leo and I were talking during the break about Dante DiVincenzo and what he has brought to the table, and it's something a little different than Hart. He is a bit more offensive-minded than Hart, although Hart was more offensive-minded when he came last year. But he, DiVincenzo is more offensive-minded, and defensively, he is in the same league as what Josh Hart is. And, and they both, listen, the one thing, they the Nick smaller guards, they rebound well. They do. They crash the boards. And what I love about Hart is when he crashes the boards and he gets the ball, he's pushing the basketball and sets up easy, easy buckets, good passing, good cutting. It's, it's really fun to watch them when they're pushing the basketball. And for so long, as a Nick fan, you're just like, oh, my God, could they speed up the tempo? And I, and I know even stat-wise, they're not that great for pace overall. Even now, they're better than they've ever been. But they're not like tops in the league at pace because they don't do it consistently enough. 
But anytime Josh Hart is there and he has that opportunity to push the basketball, that's what that's what he does, and that's what they do. And it's it's just such a difference because you know when you, you remember them, they just look like it's like oh my god, can you? This offense is so hard. They work so hard at trying to get baskets. They work so hard with the offense. They just it's like it's such a struggle. And even sometimes now when they slow it up, it doesn't flow as nicely as you'd like it to be with all the injuries and whatnot. But, you know, if the bench can continue to play this way, where you're getting some scoring, you're getting the defense is still at the, at a similar level to what the starters are giving you, um, the Knicks, when they get healthy, are going to be a tough team to beat. They really are. They really are. And the big thing for me, and so far it's worked, Leon Rose understood that he needed not only – ball handling help for Brunson coming off the bench. But he also got ball handling help and a scorer and another scorer. So he got ball handling help and the scorer, and then he got a separate scorer. And right now it looks good. Ultimately, it will be judged, however, on how far and how successful this team goes in the postseason. So I'm not sitting here claiming that we've got an NBA championship. But what I am saying is, at least now when you look at this team, there's some talent here and there's some versatility and there's some depth. I mean, you know, the fact that you have, you didn't have Randall and you didn't have DiVincenzo, uh, uh, didn't have DiVincenzo for a couple of games. You didn't have Hardenstein for a couple of games. You haven't had OG Ananobi. And you're still able to, to find ways to win. It's been good. But I think what Jose said is true. You have to continue what has gotten you to this point. And that's been what what really good teams and great teams do. They beat the teams they're supposed to. And you try to go 500 or better with the teams that are better than you or on a par with you. Because on any given night, you can beat somebody if you've got hot shooting and they're off or they've got an injury or, you know, your defense kind of keeps you in games. And so that's that's the Tom Thibodeau philosophy, right? Yes, I want to score, but the defense keeps us in games. That's, just, that's what he says to his team. Defense keeps us in games, so we have that opportunity. And so we get hot and go on the stretch. If we're close and we can hit a couple of baskets, we can, we can you know, we can steal some wins. So, very happy with the way the Knicks play tonight, uh, and we'll see if they can continue it. Uh, once again, looking at, at what the Nets had to deal with tonight, I mean, Scotty Barnes is, he's, he's a very good player. His 18-12 and 12 tonight was an issue for a Nets team. And once again, this is a team that either aren't conditioned or just, I, I know they're not great. They're not a good team, but this is a play-in team. And if you're telling me you're seven or eight, because I don't think they're nine or ten, I think they're, they could be seven or eight, then you, you can't give up 35 points in the fourth quarter on the road. You can't do it. And listen, we'll wait and see. Okay, maybe they're adjusting to the new, I mean, it's Kevin Ollie's first game. So we got to give him a couple of games so that he can, they can, he can uh, the team has to adjust to what he's asking them to do. But I mean, just 
I mean, that's what they've done. So how, how, is, how does it change? What does he have to do to get them to change? What does he have to do to get them to understand that, you know, you have to defend also? I mean, this is a Toronto team that's good, but not great. I mean, R.J. Barrett's a really good player. Emmanuel Quickly, really good player. Scotty Barnes, really good player. But you have, you have decent players too. And so for them to be, to, to just give up, I mean, give up the points they did, and I get it. Joe Leo, I mean, a negative 87-point differential last two games for Brooklyn. Obviously, the 50 kills them against Boston. That weighs very heavily as, you know, cost Jacques Vaughn there, cost Jacques, Jacques Vaughn there, you know, his job. But, I mean, you can't give up 40 fast-break points for Toronto. You, you can't. It's the most in the net franchise history. You can't do it. I mean, that means you're not getting back. Somebody's got to be back. That's lack of communication. So, once again, it's the first game for Kevin Ollie. I'm not going to pass judgment. It's too early because nothing's going to change. What, he, he has the rest of this season to show what he can do with this team. Now, personally, I don't think he's going to be the next head coach. I think they'll go out and get somebody else. But they're giving him an opportunity. They felt like they had to make a move because of, you know, the 50 points. And I, I can't, I mean, I can't say that I, I can blame them. 6 and 18, 6 and 19. Now I guess they're 6 and 20 or something of that nature since right after the first of the, right after Christmas. I mean, it's, it's, it's a total turnaround. That's what's so baffling to me about this Nets team because they were a 15 and 15 team with injuries. And now people come back and they just, they, they just, they don't play well. And they give up leads. They, they, you know, I, I'm, I'm low baffled. Now, I get it as a fan, if you're Joe Leo, you're like, we're just not that good. That's just not baffling to me. We're not that good. But the question is, and this is something that Sean Marks and the rest of the net management have to figure out, what team is this? Are we closer to the 15-15, and 15, which would give you a play-in spot? Or maybe, and maybe higher in the East the way things are going, or are we closer to the team that we're looking at now? Which is which are the real Brooklyn Nets? And that's what they have to decide. And that's what they have to figure out. And if you're a player on that team, you have to make them understand that, you know, the issues aren't you. <laughs> that you're one of the reasons that they, you, they should keep you and build around. Now, I am curious to see at the end of the season what will they decide to do? If they turn down a four number ones for Mikel Bridges during this season, and I get they were they were they were not they were all protected and they might have been lower first rounds, and I understand it. But if they didn't make a move during the season, will they now turn him around and make that move at the end of the season? 
what will they do now that they have now that they have really they've said this season you know it is what it is we, you know we don't know what's going to happen we'll just play it out and see what what goes on less everybody's on the evaluation these last 20 20 plus games who's going to be back and who isn't going to be back We'll continue the conversation here on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.